Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Do you ever feel like there's just too much craziness happening inside your brain? Like so much so that you want to just lay it out on the table and pick it all apart with a group of brilliant people? Like we're talking everything from saving tigers in Nepal to tabletop game therapy to the Canadian candy officer. Literally, that's what we're talking about today. Let's do it. It's my lucky day. And I am so excited to be here with you all today. I think we can all agree things are absolutely nuts right now. And somehow, whether we like it or not, we are the adults in the room. And we have to figure it out. Figure what out? (laughs) Well, that's a good question. I actually celebrated my 28th birthday last week. I never thought I'd make it this far. There's this weird dichotomy for me of like, The anxiety of that, but also the excitement of, I never thought I'd have a future, and here I am living out my future. It's really exciting in a terrifying sort of way. And I feel like that's that's what the aging process is. Excitement and terror all rolled up into a very frustrating package that we have to deal with every year. So we might as well enjoy the years that we've got. Why should we be sad that we're growing older? There's this question that my family likes to ask each other and everyone we come across. What age do you think you've been your entire life? And it's a fun question. My grandfather's answer was 17. He was 17 until the day he died. My mother's answer is 40, 
44, 44, I was going to say 42, but that's the answer to life, the universe and everything. Uh, but not the answer to my mother's age. Oops, 44. My point is, the concept of this is once you hit that age, you feel like you've come into your own. And I never felt like I'd hit that, which is weird because, I mean, you hear how I talk on this podcast. I sound like I could be anywhere from 14 to 32, not in terms of the caliber of my voice, but in just in terms of the excitement and the range of my excitement. <laughs> it feels very childlike. How do I balance the fact that like, I act in a way that the world perceives as youthful, but I personally am feeling more myself as I get older? I think the most important part is remembering that society's views on aging doesn't have to be our views on aging. We get a chance at a certain part of our adulthood, we get the chance to sort of re-examine aging. I have a really close group of cousins. We were all born within the same two months, and it's really interesting. Two of us are very into this whole getting older thing. Two of us are like, oh, I feel, I feel good at 28. I'm excited for 29. I'm ready to see what comes next. Two of the other ones are like, oh, don't remind me, we're 28. Oh, no, please don't tell me that. And I'm like, no, buddy, get excited. It doesn't mean you're dying. It just means you're still living. And as a kid, I never thought I'd feel that way. So now as an adult that I'm feeling that way, I'm just so proud of myself. You know, it feels like a really big accomplishment. Now that you know a little more of what it's like inside my brain, I think I'm going to open this up and bring in a few friends. Please welcome Ian, Ambika, and Lauren. Thank you all for being here. Hi. I'm very excited to be here. I'm so excited you've all joined me for this deep dive into everything, or at least five things on my mind today. To begin with, can we go around the room and give brief introductions? Hi, I'm Ian Alexander. Uh, I use they, them, and he, him pronouns. And I'm a 21-year-old actor living in LA, and I'm very gay and trans. <laughs> My name is Mbika, and I am a 26-year-old Indian American digital creative and activist. I try to do as much as I can in all the work that I do in different creative roles to also put forth just my initiatives for disabled rights, intersectional feminism, and environmental conservation. So I'm really excited to be here. I incidentally love the Instagram disabled and outside. Oh. I think that that whole thing you're doing is just so cool. And I want to give it a shout out. Thank you. Yeah, Disabled Outdoors on Instagram, and if you guys are interested in learning about how we make the outdoors more accessible, we're happy to share more on there. <laughs> That's super awesome. I follow this Instagram page called Unlikely Hikers, so I am definitely going to check you out after this. I'm Lauren. I'm a 25-year-old math teacher in Santa Barbara, and I'm just really excited to be here. Yeah, I feel like we've assembled a great team here. This is This is excellent. Let's dive into this. <laughs> I'm going to start with this first one because it's very, very near and dear to my heart. And it's very good news. Nepal's tiger population has tripled in the last 13 years. And now, coincidentally, 14 years ago, I had my B'nai Mitzvah. For those who don't know the Jewish community, when you hit a certain age, you have a bar, bat, or B'nai Mitzvah. It's your coming of age, coming into adulthood in the Jewish faith and the Jewish culture and everything. And so when I did mine, 
um, we all do a mitzvah project. Uh, mitzvah is charity. And so my uh, charity project for my B'nai Mitzvah was actually increasing the endangered tiger population. And this was 14 years ago. And within the last 13 years, having nothing to do with me, of course, the tiger population has gone up. And I'm personally very excited. I want to go back and find all my tiger shirts from my childhood and start wearing them in earnest again. Because in 2010, there were only 121 tigers left in the wild in Nepal. And now, thanks to conservation efforts, this number has tripled in 13 years. That is such great news, especially because I feel like we hear about how we're destroying the Earth and how uh, humans are literally the worst thing to ever happen to this planet. So it's nice to hear some positive news of like, we are doing some good things. There's a lot of climate doom when it comes to like talking about climate activism. So hearing this is just something super hopeful and something to look forward to because it's like, if we could do this with the tiger population, what about all the other endangered species? Exactly. And it helps open up the conversation to the usefulness of biodiversity and how like, on the one hand, we as a society, we would rather save the cute things like the pandas and the tigers. There are bugs that are going extinct that could help our ecosystem. They're just not as flashy and as fun to save but it's really nice to see, like, you're saving tigers. We have the capacity to save uh, environments that are, are beneficial to other ecosystems, other, other habitats. We can save those just like we save creatures. Yep. And I was reading about the importance of like tigers on their entire ecosystem. It's like when they rub up against a tree, bugs that are on their back affect the tree, like the bark on the tree and the bark on the tree affects the animals that are eating the plants from it. And just like it's a domino effect. So by saving the tigers, it's just it, we're creating like a positive domino effect versus like if they were gone, all of these little things that we don't think about would be gone too. Yeah. And it's it's I very ADHD. I'm going to keep alerting everybody throughout this conversation because I will have very massive jumps in my brain like this one. Total opposite of what's going on with the tigers where they're symbiotic to their environment. Camels in Australia, they're kill on sight animals because they were an invasive species. Their feet are not designed to work with the Australian turf. And so they end up pulling up the natural flora and destroying the desert ecosystem. That's really interesting. I'm also doing the ADHD thing of jumping to a topic that's somewhat similar. Um, I, on TikTok, been following a lot of like foragers and people who are foraging invasive plant species because not only are you getting like free food, but you're also helping the environment by pulling up the roots on these invasive plant species. And then there's also people that like go and they skate around and they'll seed bomb. So they basically like throw um, seeds of like native plants that help the area or like endangered plant species. Love to see it. It's the most punk rock thing you could do. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so into that. Skate around and seed bomb. I want to do that. I really want to do that. Yeah. I see TikToks of that all the time and I'm just like, yeah, I'll do it. Like the restaurant shakers with the plant seeds. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so good. We should organize like a skate and shake. <laughs> skate and shake. I love that so much. There's like a term for it. Gorilla flower planting. You're just like flower bombing everyone. I love that. It's, it's so radical. It's the same sort of thing. It's like conserving our environment will conserve the creatures that we want 
to continue to exist, including ourselves as humans. Honestly, speaking of uh, tigers and saving the world simultaneously, uh, it's making me think of Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe it's because I've been playing a druid and there's that whole shape-shifting thing. You can shape-shift into a tiger and try to save the planet as a tiger. It's pretty fun. Okay, so for those of you who do not know, Dungeons & Dragons, or D&D, is a tabletop role-playing game that is arguably the most popular one on the market right now, which essentially means that you and a bunch of friends sit down at a tabletop and you play a role-playing game together, telling a story as a collaborative friend group. It's very fun. And I would like to talk about maybe a little bit of the therapeutic nature of tabletop role-playing games and the value and the community that it creates in our lives. Lauren, specifically, I would love to hear a little bit about your tabletop role-playing game experience so far. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really funny coincidence that the tie-in to D&D was tigers and saving the world because my very first character was a druid who shapeshifted into a tiger. Yes. <laughs> that was just incredible. It's so cool. <laughs> so D&D for me was a really interesting transition because I didn't start playing until I was an adult. My good friend Alec, one of his favorite things to say is solving real-world problems in D&D. And so I feel like just because we have this tendency to let our own beliefs and ideals bleed into the characters that we create. It's a really cool and safe setting to like try new things and be more outgoing and take risks that you wouldn't normally do in the real world. It's just a really cool thing to see. I love that so much. There are so many aspects to tabletop role-playing game that are so therapeutic and it just, it, it, it can be used as treatment if done correctly. And it's just so mm -hmm. delightful because storytelling can be so, so healing. So it's Wheelhouse Workshop. It's an organization that started in Seattle. It was these two licensed therapists that made this organization that actually uses D&D &D to like help people who have particular mental health struggles. And so, yeah, it's recognized within therapeutic community that it is a thing that actually is beneficial to mental health. I'm so glad you brought that up, Lauren. I That reminds me of an organization that I can't remember the name of. Yeah, my manager's friend DMs a group of kids who are like their youth dealing with homelessness. Mm -hmm. And it gives them something to look forward to when, you know, life might be really hard, really challenging for them. And they have, you know, that community that once a week they get to come together and just kind of escape from everything and have fun for a couple hours. And the, the escapism part of D&D is really nice. But I also love when you like are working through some of your own like personal baggage or just anxieties through D&D. It's so cathartic. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's been really helpful for me, particularly because I'm a teacher now. And standing in front of a group of people talking about something that I'm really passionate about would have been at one time horrifying. But I think that like playing D&D &D and like having this practice, putting on a persona has made me way better at public speaking. And sometimes it happens completely unintentionally. You just like mm -hmm. 
have this really cool character that is like loosely based off of your personality, but maybe highlights some aspects of your personality that you haven't explored yet. And then you end up unlocking all these new realizations about yourself. Like it's just, it's so good. I have a few friends whose characters in tabletop role-playing games started using different pronouns before they did. And it allowed them that opportunity to test it and find out they liked it. So cool. Yes. I love the like gender euphoria realization that happens in D&D. I love it so much. My first character used they them pronouns and was a wood elf bard who is just super friendly and super sweet and love to sing their little songs on their little ukulele. <laughs> my first character is very much just me, like just Ian. And then my second character, I started to explore this like side of myself that I hadn't really explored because he's this sort of super flirtatious rogue that like throws daggers and just flirts with pretty much anyone and everyone. And I did not really know how to flirt prior to playing this character, but after playing D&D <laughs> as this character who just like flirts with literally anyone, I've gotten to practice in like a safe simulated environment. I can confirm Ian's flirting has gotten better since the beginning of that series. <laughs> oh my gosh, congratulations. <laughs> it has. Thank you. It has. It's so good. <laughs> I feel like that stigma that we have about D&D in that it's like, I'm thinking specifically, I don't know if this is like too obscure of a reference, in Shrek 2, they're going on this little like exploration and there are these two kids talking to each other and they're both like dorky looking boys they have acne braces one of them randomly gets a nosebleed i feel like that's the perception that we have of people who play D &D. oh yeah and it's just really been cool recently to see it come into like popular media it's the main theme and source material for stranger things they're making a movie about it with chris pine and Roger jean page i don't know if i pronounced that right from bridgerton they made joe mangan Joe Mangalang, they made him the sexiest man alive and he plays D&D. I can't say his name. I'm so sorry. Yes, 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 yes. I'm like, I know exactly who you're talking about. You didn't know who you're talking about. Yeah. I'm so glad. Yeah, no, you got it. All right, go grab a sip of water, take a deep breath. We got a lot more coming for you after this break. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. the structure of D&D. Like I love how when I started playing during 2020, we were knee deep in the pandemic. I had absolutely no structure in my life at that point. So having like a regular weekly thing where I got to see my friends on Zoom once a week really, really helped my mental health when I was very, very depressed. In distance learning, where the only interaction that my students were getting was with their classmates or me over Zoom, having that outlet and having that structured time where they can actually like engage in an activity with their friends, just game changing. Oh, yeah. It, big time. 
And it, 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 I'm like watching the thought drift away like a post-it note in the wind. Oh, well. That's how my ADHD works. I'll have a thought <laughs> and I'll be like, oh. A beautiful analogy, though. Yeah, like there it you goes. Can, you can see it fly yeah. away. It's just gone now. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I still want to feel that. that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, wait, no. I, I oh, Wait, no. <laughs> no, it's gone. <laughs> I should have written it down. I think there's something... There's something so healing about um, D&D, like for your inner child as well, because you just, you get to play. And I feel like when you become adult, there's sort of this like stigma against playing. Like It's like, no, you have to be serious all the time. And it's like, no, we're all like, we all have our inner child with us at all times. Like we still deserve to frolic and just have fun. It can just be camaraderie and community. And that's my favorite part of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of camaraderie and community, the NBA is doing a really cool thing. And they are not having any games on November 8th in a move to encourage people to vote. And now the NBA has honestly been really good about this so far. This is that sense of like camaraderie and community where they've opened up their uh, locations to be voting sites, but they've gone a step further now in an effort to, you know, preserve democracy and all that good stuff. They're actually stopping all games on November 8th so that not only their players and not only the cast crew of everything to do with the NBA, but also the people who sit and watch. Everybody, no game on November 8th. It's voting day, baby. I love that. You don't hear very much about big corporations doing things that are actually beneficial for people. So yeah, yeah, very cool. I love that. I definitely think it's a step in the right direction. But I also hope that they start voter registration spaces in, in the same centers. So it'd be great to like see that and then have a lead up to November 8th. Oh, yeah. Like if they had like a whole registration set up the entire week leading up to it. And during games and stuff. That would be so good. I remember, who was it? I think Ariana Grande had her concert series. There were voter registration polls like at each concert. And I thought that was amazing and like a great way to get young people involved. So appealing to your audience and getting people engaged in like your community and civic duties, but like in a way that is relatable to the actual game and the sport. That's so good. Yeah. I I mean, there's obviously more to be done, but it's so cool to see these people in positions of power doing anything. I think it's a great step in the direction of people starting to use their platform for good instead of just like self-promotion or things like that. If the NBA is doing it, can we get the NFL to do something? It'd be nice to see like other large companies contribute in this way and using their platforms for good. Yeah. I've been hearing a lot about this Inflation Reduction Act. I feel dumb admitting I I don't understand a lot of it and what's going on. I know it's important. I know it's important. I'm just confused. <laughs> but I feel like you're not alone there. Yeah. Yeah. Mika, do you think you can help us out? <laughs> Definitely. Of course. No. And I think we're not alone in feeling like this is a confusing thing because the act itself is so all-encompassing that it's it's kind of confusing in general. So for like us as like normal people to be like, what's even going on here? I feel like that's just a general conversation everyone's been having. So it's kind of cool. Like I was researching what exactly is this? How many different things are included in this? It's all from like different perspectives. So we've got climate change things going on on one side of it. We've got medical, like like healthcare and insurance things happening on another side of it. And then we've got tax law, like it's all packaged up in one deal and it has nothing really to do with inflation itself, but we're just calling it the Inflation Reduction Act. I feel like 
all in all, like it affects inflation. So that's why that's the name of it. But it does involve climate investment, lowering the price of medications, reducing the deficit and um, adjusting tax laws. So that's that's pretty cool. They're all very different, but each thing is important to the overall like picture of reducing inflation. In terms of like how it got signed and how it got to the president's desk, it's kind of an interesting story, but not surprising at all. Not a single Republican voted for it. Shocking. Because of that, uh, we had to get all 50 Senate Democrats to vote yes so that the like the vice president could break the tie with the 51. But to get all 50 Senate Democrats to vote yes was even like hard in itself because we were fighting with different senators who are sitting in a Democratic seat. But the way they vote tells us something different. Mm-hmm. So we were fighting with uh, Joe Manchin, for example, from West Virginia or Kristen Sinema from Arizona. And we're just like, OK, you guys look at the bigger picture. Unfortunately, you have to vote along party lines for this one. One thing that's typically really hard is to pass through legislation that is so all encompassing like this. Like it yes. it says inflation reduction, but it, it covers like 12 different things. It's a little misleading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because it's like it covers so many different things, there's so many different things to fight about. And so that's what's been going on. That's why it's taken so long to get this signed. But we had to do this because we promised like on a global scale, like we promised that we would be doing things to help combat climate change. And so this is a step in the right direction of doing that. There's a couple of different things going on. But basically, we just we dedicated ourselves to raising over $700 billion in government revenue over 10 years um, and spending over $430 billion of that to reduce carbon emissions. And that is huge. That's huge. Because we've never done anything like that before. That's the biggest climate change move in the United States of America so far. Yeah. And I think that also applies to like, we talked about like how they're all touching like different areas of climate change. In the reducing carbon emissions, it's also included with like tax reductions and things like that. So when people are getting solar panels for their house or they're picking energy safe cars, like you get a tax reduction on that, that also affects the environment in long term. So It all kind of plays in together, even though they're so different on paper, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So there's that. And there's also just extended subsidies for health insurance under the Affordable Care Act, which is monumental as well, because the average American is paying about $1,200 a year just on prescription drugs. And this is with health insurance. Yikes. Like to spend money from like your out-of-pocket expenses, like even with health insurance, I'm spending about two, $300 a month just on medicines that I need to get by on a day-to-day basis. And same thing for like so many other people. Yeah. And my wife's on an immunosuppressant and it's, it's so hard to get it because there's just too many channels to go through and then you run out of time and you're out of your meds. Exactly. And it's like on average, an individual is not making it enough. COVID has affected us in such a harmful way that like we need to start approaching disability and healthcare like in a more unified way than we have ever like had to before. So 100%. In the in the disabled community there's the concept of the rest of society is just pre-disabled. And I think that that's so correct. This is a step in the right direction and it makes me really excited for the future. I mean like end game I really hope we get universal healthcare, but like we'll take this. This is baby steps. Yeah. Absolutely. My friend just made a short film to raise awareness about like people having to ration insulin. And so he created a script about a a sort of post-apocalyptic scenario where diabetic man has to ration his insulin and has to like try to find like a warehouse that has insulin. And it's a very dark, very sad reality that a lot of people have to face who are diabetic and living in the United States. And if even if they do have health care, it's like ridiculously expensive. So I really hope that this 
changes. <laughs> Hope this gets better. I do too. I'm happy that people are finally starting to listen. There's a dialogue about it. And then now we're seeing like tangible change. So overall, like Inflation Reduction Act, like it's it's tackling a couple of things that are super important to me. So like environmental conservation and disabled justice, but it's it's a baby step in the right direction. So I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful. Oh, the game is won in base hits. So I'll, I'll take a base hit any day. Yes. So in some really funky and good news that is making me smile like an absolute, just like a Cheshire cat, just I'm smiling so big right now. Canada, in the latest compelling reason to move to Canada, or at least to New Jersey, apparently, Canadian-based candy company Candy Funhouse has just posted a job listing for chief candy officer. I love this. If you are interested, beware. <laughs> hey, friends. We'll be right back after this short break. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are interested, beware. So many people have applied for this job, which includes pallet training, by the way, via LinkedIn, <laughs> that the company is having trouble responding to all of the LinkedIn applications. I'm like, look no further. I'm here. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Say less. You'd get the equivalent of 80000 US dollars a year to try candy for a living. You'd taste about 3,500 pieces of candy per month, which is roughly 113 per day as the head taste tester. You can work remote or in either the Canada or New Jersey office. Interesting. And this is another part of the job posting that I really like. Applicants can be as young as five years old and must reside in North America. All you need is a passion for candy pop culture, and a sweet tooth. Is that the literal ad that was on the posting? Yep. <laughs> Just do that it. That yeah. sounds like a great job to have. Honestly, probably. 80K a year, I mean. Arguably, the best part of this job is that it comes with top-of-the-line dental plan for all that sugar consumption. Oh, thank God. I was just going to ask. I was like, is there healthcare included, especially if it's in Canada? <laughs> like, <do> we- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to need to pay for a lot of medical treatment yeah. after that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, to live in Canada. Sign me up, though. I feel like I didn't know I was preparing for this job my entire life, but I feel like I but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like we should all apply for chief candy officer. This feels very Willy Wonka. Maybe they should make friends with the people who are professional hot dog eaters because I have always wondered how they eat so many hot dogs. They have to like train their stomach. I know they do warm ups. Oh, yeah. It's like working out, but like with, with their stomach as the muscle. Yeah. And then I, I don't know where I read this, but I like one time was having Korean barbecue with my family and there was a hot dog eating competition in the background, which kind of honestly was like not um, 
I don't know. I felt like that was a little bit of a misstep on the. What a scene to see. Mm -hmm. Just to witness that. (laughs) I know. I was like, I was like, I don't know if this is really what I want to watch while I'm eating. Like it's almost kind of making me lose my appetite. But because I was so curious about it, I had that same question, Lauren. I was like, how do they do this? Like, how is this physically possible? Apparently they do have to spend time recovering afterwards where like all they are able to eat is just like, really soft foods like yogurt and like applesauce and like they they have to take a recovery period because your body just can't handle that much sugar that much hot dogs it's just not natural it's like a marathon you really have to prep for it (laughs) well this was this was really fun i feel like this was pretty amazing I, i i feel like at least some of my thoughts got aired out you know and it it's hard to be a person in the world right now and so talking it out feels really good especially with friends especially with a group of friends like these and so i hope that everyone out there listening to our little chaos found something in here that resonated with you something in here that made you smile but when it all comes down to it i'm less interested in thoughts and i'm way more interested in what actions they lead to because like i said whether we're aging millennials or hip lit cool gen zers we are the adults in the room for better or for worse, and we got to step up and do something. So based off of our conversation today, what are some of the action items that you're going to take with you? I really, really want to do the seed bomb thing, for sure. (laughs) Same. And making sure that I am voting on November 8th. So those are my takeaways from our conversation. Nice. I am also motivated by the seed bomb thing. I think I'm going to start volunteering for some more habitat restorations and things like that. I want to like learn more about animal conservation as well. And then I definitely want to get three of my friends to get registered to vote and actually get out there on November 8th. So hopefully that'll work out. Yeah. I feel like when you were saying originally about the Inflation Reduction Act that's being passed, I didn't know very much about it. So I definitely am going to go do a little more research on that after this. Um, And then my goal for myself for this teaching year is I really want to start a D&D club. So I'm going to get my students into it to get some get some role play going with my little ones. Yay. Oh, I love that so much, man. That would have been so nice as a kid to have a D&D club. I'm so glad your kids get that. All right. Well, I guess my takeaway is um, I want to look further into those specifically therapeutic TTRPG programs that we talked about and see if there's, you know, anything, any way I can get involved with that because that's that's so near and dear to my heart. And also, of course, seed bombing. So maybe both at the same time, maybe we can go on like a D&D walk in the park and drop seeds like little druids. Count me in. That'd be fun. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> On that note, I feel like we should get off the podcast so we can set a time for us to meet up and seed bomb and be druids. Absolutely. It's a plan. All right. Yeah. Before everyone goes, where can we find you? My Twitch channel, my Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. It is Ian Alexander, except the L in Alexander is an I. I'm on Instagram and TikTok. At Ganges Gal, G-A-N-G-E-S-G-A-L, like the river. Nice. I am on Instagram. That's just uh, Lauren Bedard, B-E-D-A-R-D, uh, 16. 
And then you can find me. I'm I'm also, I like to make it difficult for everyone and have my name be something different. So you can find me on Twitter at IbexWebex, on Instagram at Bex underscore TK. And if you want to find me on TikTok, you're going to have to search. Genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, Ian, Ambika, and Lauren for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. This was fun. And for everyone tuning in today, thank you all so much for listening. You can follow along by following at LoveStruckDaily on Instagram and Twitter, or email LoveStruckDaily at frolic.media if you have any questions, or if you know of anyone who'd like to come on the show. I'm always looking for new friends. A researcher is Jesse Epstein, and our editor is Jen Jacobs. We're produced by Abigail Steckler with Little Scorpion Studios. We are executive produced by Frolic Media. This is an iHeartRadio podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us today. I'll see you next time. It's my lucky day.